So today is what we call our Missions Sunday, and this is the day where we're going to talk to you about the, the three main missions that we support here at the church, the wheelchairs in Vietnam, uh, feeding children in Haiti, and uh, clean drinking water in Brazil. And then we do have another one. It's called Luke's Brigade. So if you go on our missions wall over there, you'll see some flyers for all four of these. And Luke's Brigade, uh, Dr. Dave Kessig oversees that. And, um, you know, Dr. Dave has been, has been very, uh, uh, he's played a major part in getting our clinics up and running, and he, he's, he's had a, a, a lot to do with that. He's had a lot to do with a lot of things here at the church, um, and so we're thankful for his, his input and, and, uh, and what he has to offer us and help us with. And one of the things on his heart is to provide uh, free medical click, uh, kits as well as uh, he puts on, uh, um, I don't want to say seminars, but first aid uh, uh, instruction, teaching people how to do first aid in countries where they wouldn't have the access to do that, you know? And so uh, he has a, a, a mission, a ministry called Luke's Brigade, and in October, we're going to hear a little bit about that, and then we'll take up an offering uh, for those of you that are interested in purchasing some of those medical kits to get out in, uh, in uh, countries where they wouldn't otherwise have uh, medical supplies. So, all right? So at this time, what I would like to do is I'd like to invite uh, Henry Diani, Steve Fitter, and Kyle Hoskinson up here. We'll start with you, sir. Yep. So while we're gonna, we're just gonna talk about these ministries, and then there's some. Uh, we'll have some some pictures up on the screen here. But I thought I'd start with Henry. So Henry oversees the uh, the Vietnam uh, mission, and that is providing free wheelchairs to those in Vietnam. And so uh, Henry, Vietnam, being a communist country, is not the easiest country to travel to. Um, and to travel around, and therefore we haven't really been able to get there uh, because of the pandemic. Um, and so what can you tell us that's been happening in Vietnam so far? We've been sending money, and Pastor Vu over there has been distributing the wheelchairs, so what, what, what can you tell us? Hello? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, uh, things have changed. I think what's really uh, made the difference was uh, having Vu over here visiting us, seeing what's going on and him going back and starting already to get the places where we're gonna be dropping off the chairs. So now it's been open, we're allowed to do that. That was a big thing, and I think that's a big thing with Vu, playing and getting a hold with these guys. So that was uh, opening that part. The big thing is uh, getting the chairs made. So uh, we got over that, uh, we came back and Vu said, I got it straightened out. The chairs are being made. They'll be done ready for when they come, we come back out there to distribute them. Uh, and I'll give you a couple of stories about that. But the uh, dates that we're opening up and going in is March the 2nd to the 11th. So that's given us some time. If anything else happens, we have time to correct it and get it going. Uh, the fact that the chairs are, are getting done, that, that was the biggest thing. Is there any changes that we're going to go in? So that seems to be pretty good. That's going good. The... Uh, you think what else? Uh, well, really, that's it. it. That was the only change, so it's, it's going to work out pretty good. we got people that want to go there. Um, if uh, something drops out, Vu is right there. He said, I can get it resolved if we have to move a place. Uh, so 
it's going to be good again. Basically, I'm saying that they opened up, which is the big thing, letting people back in. So that's going to help us get this done, and uh, it's going to be a great time. I think people awesome. are going to be changing their lives there. So yeah. The, uh, yeah, and just, you know, just to give you an idea, one, one thing I remember, we did uh, one wheelchair that was uh, a dad with three boys and his wife. They, they basically carried dad to the location, and when they got done, I hope I don't cry. <laughs> what happens was the wheelchair got done, placed him in the chair. The boys jumped all over dad, hanging on the wheelchair. And there's mom rolling him down the road. Mm. And I'm telling you, that just melted us. Mm. It was just the kids were like, wow. this is the wildest thing I ever saw in my life. So more of those type things happening is going to change some lives. So. Amen. There you go. Amen. Okay. Well, hold on a minute. So, so, um, so Pastor Vu was here this past Easter. I'm sorry. And um, we've been trying to get him here for about 10 years. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't uh, a problem for him to come into America. It was a problem for him to get out of Vietnam. And so finally he was able to get here and he was able to visit with us on Easter. So, so it sounds like the wheelchairs are starting to get distributed. And... I know that we have been moving into Cambodia. Are there any other areas that, that Pastor Vu has been able to, to get into? Or? Uh, not yet, but he's, he's still trying. And uh, he's, I, what I'd like to hear from him was that things are changing in the right side. So he'll keep beating it. I'm sorry. I think I shut it off. He'll be beating on it to make sure that we can try to get a somehow. But he said, okay. uh, I won't give up, you know, which yeah. means it's trying to get more locations that we can distribute chairs. Okay. So. Which means we need more people. You know? <laughs> yes, and then and then I think you snuck it in there. So my last question was: uh, We're going to go. We're, we're we're able to get there. Yep. We're going to go in 2023 in March. Yes. Is that correct? Yep. Those of you that have been wanting to go to Vietnam, March time. time. You it's got time. some time. Yep. It's time. So yep. we're going to have a short interest meeting after the service. I'll be saying that a couple more times. But if you are interested or would like some more information about the Vietnam missions trip. Uh, we'll be upstairs in the community room after the service, and you can get a little more one-on-one -on -one information on what is all needed and what traveling there is, is really kind of like. So, cool. Thanks, Henry. All right. All right. So, Steve. Hey, I forgot to thank Steve Fitter. He brought out the trailer and the golf cart and everything yesterday. <laughs> like, woo! That's a big help. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> All right, so um, Steve oversees feeding the children in Haiti, and a lot has been happening in Haiti that's, again, a lot is happening in that country that is keeping us from getting there, keeping Steve from being, being able to get there. Um, any updates from your contacts there as far as, like, what it looks like in the country? Yeah, uh, we haven't been able to go there. Not, it's been two years that we haven't had boots on the ground. Um, we talked to them uh, Monthly, we get uh, handwritten letters. Scott Thompson and myself both get handwritten letters we share with each other. So we're in constant contact. Um, they are still feeding the children six days a week, uh, which is really nice. Um, a lot has changed in Haiti. Uh, it's not getting better. In the last two, three months, it's actually gotten worse. Um, so we definitely are not going this year. This spring, we hope to go. We couldn't go. Scott and I talked, we were going to go this fall. We, we canceled that. It was just, it's impossible to get into that country right now. 
Uh, we have hopes for next year, but, but to be honest, it's very questionable. There needs to be big changes before an American can step foot in Haiti currently. So we don't know what's going to come of the future here, but we do get pictures and we are on the phone with them and we do receive handwritten letters, which is encouraging. But a big change is we, we built a modern kitchen for them at the nutrition center where they cooked with propane, big 100 gallon, those tanks and all this modern kitchen stuff. Because of supply chain, something interesting has happened in the last six months is they went outside of the nutrition center um, at the front wall to the back wall of the church. They actually built another small building where they now cook on charcoal again, which is what we saw when we first went down there. It's uh, maybe a 15 by 20 room. They put in really high angled ceilings with vents going out to get the heat out. Wow. But we're, in a way, we think as Americans, they went backwards. We built them this big fancy kitchen, uh, real clean, all stainless steel stuff, and now they're out there with the big black pots and the fire burning with the charcoal. It's not backwards to them, it's just neat. They've overcome that they can't get the propane on a regular basis, so they went back to their old way of doing it, and the kids are still being fed six days a week, mm. which is neat. Wow, so they're making it happen. Oh, they're making it happen. Yeah, and when I say six days a week, realize on Sundays, uh, they, they don't cook. But after church, on most Sundays, at least when I've been down there, they have something going on up on top of the hill where they'll do hot dogs or bananas and peanut butter or something. And all the children from the church, and we're talking a lot of them, probably at least 100 of them just from the church on Sunday are up there and being fed. So really they're doing seven days a week. The money from this church supplies the rice, the beans, the chicken, the water and stuff for the six days. But the church... Even on the seventh day, these children have a way of getting food, which mm. is neat. Amen. Yeah. So, okay, so um, they can't get the propane. They're, they're going back to their, their original ways of cooking with coal. Do you know if there's, like, as far as, like, the number of children being fed? Or is, it, is it increasing? Is it, you know, like, okay. where, where, is there any, any way it's, you can share? It's about staying that? about the same. We're hearing numbers from 190 to 200 on a daily basis. They, they feed them multiple times throughout the day. What they did add, and they did this a year ago, maybe a little bit more, is when the day's done and all the children have eaten, then they have uh, some seniors that come in. These are older people. Um, I've been with them, so 70-plus-year-old. They will come in, and then they feed some seniors also later in the day. The numbers are holding the same, right around 200 a day. Okay. And then, so... I think you might have said this. They're not just getting fed. They're also getting the gospel, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, there's, yeah, there's like a, a miniature church service uh, going on before they eat, which is really nice. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Very cool. Yes. So we're not too sure what it looks like um, as far as the future goes. Um, we just don't know. Is that no, right? We don't. But one neat thing, if, if you read up on the Haiti news, corruption's the worst thing there. And uh, foreign countries, you know, you hear the stories, they send all this money to them, and very little of it gets out to the people because of the corruption. Know that the money from this church, I, I have personally carried it in myself uh, in the past. The money, every penny makes it there, which is a neat thing. Yeah. And I'm sure there are other organizations similar in Haiti, but we know that this one, every penny is going to buy the food for these children. And in such a corrupt country, it's neat to have an avenue to get the resources to the people. Yeah. 
And that's, and that's one of the things that I like is even though we can't get there, Steve is overseeing this and we're still feeding children. They're still getting the gospel. They're being taken care of. And then again, like elderly people are getting fed as well. So um, anything else you want to add or share? Or? Uh, well, we haven't been able to get in for two years. So Thompson Concrete, the company I work for, um, we, we feel strongly about boots on the ground. Uh, know that we have been going to uh, the Dominican Republic working at a new school project, and uh, about 60% of the children there are Haitian. That's why we picked this. So afterwards, if you have any questions about that, I'd be more than happy to answer them, but we are still putting boots on the ground and trying to get as close as we can to helping the Haitian people. Uh, just know it's, it's not like we stopped. Uh, and the day we can get back into Haiti, we will be back in there. Amen. Awesome, cool, thanks Steve. All right. So I oversee the Brazil Water Filter Project, and um, just to kind of, I'll give you a quick overview, and then, then Kyle's going to share his experience there. Um, but we supply clean drinking water to Brazil, and uh, it's in the Amazon region. There is no, as, there's thousands, hundreds of rivers, and no clean drinking water. Why is that possible? Well, when, you, when you're there, you, you'll, you'll, you'll see why. It's just, it's all contaminated. Um, but when you purchase a water filter here, there's, there's more that goes into it than just a water filter. You're, you're supplying people with jobs. You're keeping the boat that, that delivers these uh, water filters uh, up and running. Um, so there's a whole lot more than just buying the water filter. Um, and Kyle went with us this past June. And what really kind of hit me was we were just talking, and Kyle said, I'm really glad I came here because I get to see how all of this works, how all of this happens. You hear about it, but now I'm seeing it. So, so Kyle, with that firsthand experience, what can you share with the church as far as like two things, seeing in action, um, the distribution of the water filters from the installation side of it, and then the receiving of the water filters when a family gets a water filter? Sure, so like Chip said, I. Uh... One of the things that I was most excited about was just seeing everything and knowing that the, the money that we're sending down there is being used very wisely. It's being used uh, to, to build these filters, which obviously are in need. And my favorite part was the sweat equity of it, of just actually delivering the filters. And it was no joke, these things are heavy. Um, there was one place that had like six houses up a hill with a dock that was layered and we dragged these things up all day. It took us all day to do this property. Um, I was tired watching them. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot of work. <laughs> he did all the hard work. So, uh, so I, I really enjoyed that. And then um, on the receiving side of it, though, these families, um, first of all, you could just tell that they're uh, so thankful to have um, Americans coming into their house. And they, there's a lot of look of confusion more than there is anything else because... Yeah they're wondering why we're there and then they're wondering uh, what they need these filters for and being able to see um, the Brazilians that are down there that we're working with uh, explaining to these families why they need water filters, what the benefits of it are for their children. A very common thing was that a lot of these families had like seven to eight kids uh, and they're all running around and they're, they're just drinking non-filtered water. So being able to deliver uh, water that's going to help them from being sick and, and vomiting um, having um, 
stomach pain, which was very common for them to mm -hmm. say that they had. So, uh, yeah, I guess I, to sum it up, I like the sweat equity of doing it and then uh, being able to see the impact that it's having on these families um, and their health. So, yeah. Amen. Okay. All right. So can you share with us uh, what it looks like at the Vineyard Church in Portel where the water filters are made? And then how important do you think that, it, that not only are we supplying the water filters, but people have jobs? Like, what, what can you share with us? Like, the money that we send there, what did you see, the difference that it made, and, and your experience in that? Sure, sure. So the, the church, first of all, is awesome. I mean, the church is beautiful, very cool. Um, you know, they're singing the same songs that we do. Uh, they're a vineyard. They're, they're a vineyard. They're a different language, but it's a vineyard down there. So... Um, you know, obviously our money is going towards the filters, and like he said, we're also supplying work for people down there too. And the Brazilians that we are uh, helping pay their salary, um, they're just such hard workers. I mean, they're just incredibly hard workers. And any small thing that pops up, they go figure out how to fix it and figure out how to utilize, I don't know the best analogy, but they, they, something that was broken from another part, they would then use it to fix the other. <laughs> yeah. to, they do so much with so little down there. Um, and, you know, for how many times you've been down there, they're really like a family to us now. Yeah. And I could sense that just on my first trip. Um, but these guys, they, we hear, hear stories about when you guys went down before and you said, oh, yeah, he was really rough around the edges before. And now he's like such a sweet, caring, yeah. he has a grandson now. <laughs> And it's just, it's funny to see their lives uh, changing and having an impact. And, you know, they're going in and they're praying over these families and they're um, communicating and they're going to church services on the river. Um, and you could just see that certain guys whose hearts might have been hardened before have really softened up and mm. uh, they're becoming um, local missionaries down there. Yeah, So absolutely. That's awesome. Okay, so we do plan on going uh, in June of 2023, probably the first half of June, I think. Dates aren't established yet. What would you to say to somebody who's sitting here and they feel this tug, but they're saying, not me? Yeah. <laughs> I would say go to the meeting, for sure. <laughs> go check out the meeting. Um, it doesn't hurt to go find out information. Um, and I think uh, I just sat here and talked to you about how hard it is to deliver filters, but that's not the entire um, point of the trip. There's, there's also a lot of communicating with the families and just hanging out with the kids and, and praying over the parents and praying over the grandparents um, that are there. And while some of us were, were doing a lot of sweat equity, uh, it's just as important to connect with these families and pray over them and, mm -hmm. and care for them. So That's I good. think there's a lot of different talents that can be used down there. Um, so don't let that scare you either, but come to the meeting. That's good. Change your life. Awesome. So that's a quick little synopsis of how these uh, missions are going. Um, for those of you that don't know, we take up an offering every Easter to support these. Um, so yeah, if you are interested, shortly after the service, uh, we'll be up there, uh, have a short meeting, and uh, we'll give you a little bit more one-on-one -on -one information about these missions. So awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your sharing. One of the things that I really like about this church is that you are a generous church. Amen. You are generous. When there is a need, you fill that need. You know, our Easter offering goes to these three missions here. And even, 
even at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, it started in March, and we always joke about it, like Katie and Paul and Nathan and I, how fun it was at first, because we thought, you know, in three weeks, we'll, this will all blow over, and it didn't. Um, and then I talked with Steve and some of the board, and we, we decided, well, what do we want to do? Do we want to take this Easter offering? Because we'll, we'll be like five or six weeks into this pandemic, and we decided, yes, we will. And even though nobody really knew at the time what tomorrow was going to look like, what, um, what my paycheck might look like, um, man, I'm telling you what, you guys stepped up because I think you, you have the vision of this church family and the fact that even though we're hurting here, people are hurting all around the world, so you gave. You gave to that. And then even last year was one of our largest offerings for the Easter offering, for these three missions. And even though Easter's a ways from now, I'm already praying for that offering. Yes. <laughs> you know, I'm already praying for that because, because, again, when you guys see a need, you really do step up financially. You really do. I mean, there, there's other areas where we step up for a need too, but, but when it comes to putting your money where your mouth is, you guys do that. Is that the phrase? Put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. You know, so I appreciate that. It makes me, it, it, it honors me to say that I'm a part of this church family. It's, it's honoring to me. So one of the first, we're going to look at three passages. We're going to look at one in Proverbs, one in Isaiah, and one in Matthew. But listen to this proverb in, uh, in chapter 19, verse 17, about giving, helping those in need. If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord, and he will repay you. Just let that sink in for a minute. If you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord. Like, you know, sometimes you lend somebody 10 bucks. Oh, sometimes you lend them a little more than that. Sometimes you just lend them a hand. God's saying, if you help the poor, you're, you're, you're lending something to me. You're taking care of a part of me, my life, my family, and I will repay you, he says. See, what that tells me is that God identifies with the poor. More than anyone, God sees the need and feels the hurt of his creation. Because it is not God's will that anyone suffer. It's not his will that people go without the basic necessities of life. That's not his will for us. I'm convinced of this. God, more than anyone, wants us to be able to enjoy life. And we can enjoy life outside of a relationship with him, right? There's, we know all kinds of people that are not believers who are enjoying their lives right now. But think about when you were enjoying life before you became a believer. For me, it was all conditional. The joy that I had, the fun that I was having was conditional. There was always some kind of a price to pay for that fun. But the joy we get when we're a follower of Jesus, there's something satisfying in that. There's something concrete in that. There's just something more real in that. And it's unconditional. But unfortunately, God's kingdom has not yet been fully restored since the fall of mankind in the garden. We're all aware, people are aware of, of, of 
Adam and Eve, and they ate the forbidden fruit. You know, God said you can have all of this. It was paradise. It was perfect. It was perfect. It was, it was what he created life to be for, for us. He said you can have all of this, but you just can't eat of that tree. And it wasn't God flexing, flexing his muscle or, or creating a certain boundary because he can. It was trust. He wanted to build the trust with mankind, with Adam and Eve. He, he wanted them to be able to trust that he had their best interest in mind. You know, if, if, if you point out poison ivy to somebody and you say, don't walk over there, you're going to get poison ivy, they're going to listen to you most of the time. God didn't really tell them why, but he wanted to build the trust. And then the serpent came along, and he does what he does best. He got them to question the word of God. Did he really say that? You know why he said that. You know, because he doesn't want you to be like him. If you eat that fruit, you'll be like him. And they gave in to that. Because then they started questioning God's word. You know, you know what I mean? Like, like how many times have we read the scriptures and then we said, I, I don't know if that's really true. And then we start veering off the truth of the scriptures. And so, so and here's what happened. The pride that got into the head of Lucifer, into the head of Satan, the chief musician in heaven. Satan was the worship leader in heaven. Why would you give up that position? You are leading millions of angels in heaven into worshiping your creator. But pride crept in. I can do it better. I'm better looking. I'm smarter. I'm the guy. And, and people start buying, you know, there were some angels that were buying into that, a third of them. And then Satan thought he was going to overthrow God. And God wasn't having it. <laughs> and so Satan and a third of the angels were cast out of heaven. We're not quite too sure where in the story of creation this happened, but I think it happened somewhere after uh, the first day of creation and somewhere in between the temptation. I do believe it was a literal seven days of creation, 24 hours, day and night, so somewhere in there. You know, here's, I, I don't know if this, this is just me, my thinking, right? But God's doing the creation, right? He's, he's putting the sun and the moon and the stars in there. He's creating the trees and the waters and all of this stuff and the animals. And he hadn't quite gotten to the human beings yet. And here's Satan up here, you know, like maybe he thinks God is distracted and he's doing something over here. And you know what I mean? Like you ever been so busy on a project that an in comes like a thorn? Kind of takes your mind off of things. You know, I don't know if that's how it happened, but I just kind of just kind of think about it sometimes. And so Satan was thrown to the earth. I, I, and in my mind, I think God says, you know what? If you can do better, let's just see about that. Because I'm working on something down here, and I just want to see if you can do better. So you are cast out of heaven. And that is why the fall of mankind is why we now have sin. People wonder, why do good things happen to bad people? Why, do, why does something bad happen to me? I, I'm reading the Bible. I'm going to church. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. It's because sin and disease and destruction and bad things are a part of this earth that we live in because this is Satan's kingdom. This is, he, the, the earth is, is kind of his domain right now. 
And until Jesus comes back to set up his reign and to rule from here on earth, as were the original intentions, until then, we have to, we have to, we have to put up with an enemy. The, the classic good versus evil battle, and we're a part of it. And as believers, it's our job to help those in need. It's our job to shine that light of Jesus's. It's our job to say, there's a better way. Like, for instance, it's not my job to come up to somebody and say, you are really messing up in life. Even though I want to sometimes. But it is my job to say, there's a better way for you. Jesus can help you with that. And then let Jesus do what he does best and bring the conviction and all of that. I'll walk, I'll walk you through any situation and problem and, and difficulties you're having in life and share with you what I know. And in the meantime, I will let Jesus do what he does best in your life. And so, so until, until the perfected creation as the way it was intended happens when Jesus comes back and sets up his kingdom here on earth, until then... It is up to us, his church, to take care of the downtrodden, to take care of the oppressed, to take care of the underprivileged, to take care of the needy, to take care of the hurting. It's up to the church to do that. God expects his church to take care of those in need. And there's a reward for that. If you help somebody, if you help the poor, you are lending to me, says God, and I will repay you. You know, we don't do it because, hey, God, this proverb says you'll repay me, so I need, I, you know what, I need, I need some money. <laughs> I need some help. We do it out of the goodness of our hearts, and then that's like the extra added benefit. It's a biblical principle, though. If you do this, I will do that, God says. But let's read a passage in Isaiah that speaks of God's heart in this situation um, of taking care of those in need. And, and well, let's just read it first, then we'll, we'll kind of break it down. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 7. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Oof. <laughs> you know, I, I've been reading out of the New Living Translation recently, and I'm like, can I find a different version, God? Is there, is there a better way to say that? <laughs> do not hide from your relatives who need help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn, and your wounds will heal quickly. Your godliness will lead you forward, and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer, yes, I am here. He will, rep will reply quickly. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. You know, every now and then God gives this, like, these little hopeful things, and then all of a sudden he just throws this, oh, hey, and by the way, yeah, don't do that either. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as light, will be as bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually. 
giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength, you will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. I don't even need to preach on that. That says it all. Right? I mean, it seems to me that Proverbs, that Proverbs was it, 19 and Isaiah 58 complement each other. And just so you know, in the Old Testament prophets, they, they all, each prophet had a specific message that God wanted to give the Israelites. There was a specific topic that he was addressing with each prophet. But they all have this underlying theme about helping the needy, helping the poor. The original intentions for God when it came to farmers was to leave the corners and the edges of your field untouched when you harvest your crop so that those in need could come and pick some food for themselves. It was the original feeding program. We don't do that anymore. We expect the government to do that. God says the church should do that. My people should do that. And so that is why uh, God got so upset with the Israelites over and over again in the Old Testament. It wasn't, it was, but it wasn't the topic at hand that each prophet had. Those topics wouldn't be an issue, I don't think, if the people were taking care of those in need. They weren't taking care of the middle and lower class. And that's why God was so adamant about feeding the poor. And, and you know what? You've got relatives that need your help and you're ignoring them. God says, listen, if you do this, I'll take care of you. See, listen, when I read a passage like that, I think of feeding the hungry in Haiti. I think of providing clean drinking water for people in Brazil. I think of restoring the dignity for somebody who's living on a dirt floor in Vietnam and can't get out. That, you know, Henry prefaced that story with, he gets emotional. See, Steve gets emotional, those children. I get emotional with Brazil. Because you know that God is using you to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Could you imagine being a dad and not being able to walk and then finally being put in a wheelchair and your children are climbing all over you and your wife is pushing you down the... Could you imagine that? Could you imagine not being able to eat? And all of a sudden you hear about this, this depot, this food program that's happening up on this hill here? You know, that is the hands and feet of Jesus. And when you do these things, God says, I will heal you. He said it. Your wounds will be healed. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear the word wounds, I'm thinking physical, mental, spiritual. You will be healed, God says. I will protect you. I will restore your strength. And by the way, your light will shine as bright as the noonday in the darkness. And it's not our light. It's the light of Jesus within us that shines brighter than anything. And then, then let's check this out. What Jesus said, something very similar in the Gospel of Matthew, he says the way we treat people is the way we are treating him. And this is a, a, a long story, but I just want to pick out one, one uh, passage from this in Matthew chapter 25, and it's verses 35 and 36. This is Jesus 
And, and, and this is the final judgment. I'll just kind of set the stage here. And it says, everybody is standing in front of Jesus. And he separates them, sheep and goats. That, that's us. You're either a sheep or you're a goat. And the final judgment. <laughs> he wants to be a sheep. <laughs> But he says this to the sheep in verse 35. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And they say, we didn't know that was you. And he says, yeah, that was me. When you did that to somebody, you did that to me. When you gave to the Easter offering, Whatever it was, you bought a water filter, you bought a wheelchair, you fed a child, you did all of them, you did multiple of them. You were doing that to Jesus. When you help somebody out and about in your daily walk of life, the way we treat people is the way we treat Jesus. When you snub somebody, you're snubbing Jesus. Jesus identifies with people who need help. He identifies with all of us, but those of us that are doing well in life, he expects us to help those who aren't. He expects us to help those who aren't. It's not an option. Because then to the goats, he says the very same thing, and you know what their reply was? If we would have known that was you. And their outcome is... The, to the sheep, he says, enter into the joy of your Lord. Well done, good and faithful servants. To the goats, not such a good outcome. See, Jesus identifies with those in need. Whatever we do to the least of these, he said, you are doing to me. And I, I believe this church, you, you guys have caught that vision. You, you understand that. We, we preach this multiple times throughout the year, especially leading up to Easter. Because this, right here, what we just read, these passages, these are the cry of God's heart. This right here, to take care of those in need. And when we do, we are told that we are doing it to Jesus. We are taking care of Jesus that's how much he identifies with the hurting, the poor, and the needy. And so I've been to Brazil. I've, I've been there six times. The first time was to, was to check it out and see if we wanted to get involved in this. And then the other five times was to distribute the water filters. I get touched every time. It changes me every time. And I, and I, I tell the group, there's going to be a time when you see me cry because I'm going to get emotional because it's going to happen because you just... Like, like Kyle said, we have become a family with the church down there, the church leaders. And I don't know if it's just because I'm with them or just the things that we're doing or the Holy Spirit, whatever it is. You're a part of something bigger than yourself. You're a part of doing the work of the kingdom in areas that most of us will never see. Most of us will not be able to get to the Amazon region in Brazil. I've witnessed that church I've witnessed them preach the gospel and minister to people in, in, on the rivers. Rivers where only canoes will fit. Those parts of the world exist. And what we're doing is we're representing the hands and feet of Jesus by sharing the love of Christ wherever we go when we're there. 
and all of us that give to the Brazil water filters, we're a part of that. It's an extension of your faith. It's an extension of your giving. I've sat and I've listened to Henry and, and Steve tell these stories about Vietnam and, and, and about Haiti and, and Henry gets emotional and it's, 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 it's Steve, you just, you can, you can, you can see the emotion in their stories. You can sense it and feel it because they know that they are part of something bigger than themselves, a part of something that the kingdom of God is at work with. You know, there's nothing more satisfying than doing the work of the Lord and restoring the dignity in another human being. When somebody can't move, when somebody is sick, their whole families are sick. You know, I remember this last time we were there, we were in this one spot, there were all these kids running around, but there was one kid with the bloated belly, these worms in his belly, because he was just so, and I'm sure Steve sees all these children that are hungry, did you see that one picture where all those children were in line to come get food? Steve is passionate. Henry is passionate. They're sold out. And not just getting people in wheelchairs and getting children fed. They're getting the gospel that's being preached. Pastor Vu preaches the gospel in a, in a, in a, in a communist country. Steve is getting the gospel. He's a part of getting the gospel preached in, in a country that is, is demonically oppressed. The stories that he has of, of, of seeing uh, uh, demonic strongholds literally broken before his eyes are nuts. We wouldn't even see that in our lifetime here in America. And I believe that by joining these ministries, Jesus is smiling on this partnership that we have. And saying, well done, good and faithful servants. You're doing the stuff. You're taking care of me. And so, in closing, you know, you, you may not have the, the means to go to Brazil or, or Haiti or Vietnam, you know, for, for whatever reason. But we all have something we can give to make life better for somebody living in conditions that we in America will never experience. We can all give, some of us sacrificially, some of us out of abundance. But we'll talk about this leading up to Easter in 2023. I'm already praying for that Easter offering. And I want to just kind of plant that seed in your thoughts and in your prayer life for being a part of that Easter offering this next year. So let's continue, church, to hold these missionaries and to hold these ministries in prayer. And for Easter of 2023, I would love to see that be even bigger than 2022 because we would be a part of something that God's doing. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.